How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You're listening to The Contest and Me, a podcast from the Euro Trip. So hello and welcome to another episode of The Contest and Me from us here at the Eurotrip podcast. I'm Rob, joined in the very same room by my co-host and friend. Hello, James Ray. Hi, Rob. This is a treat, isn't it? When did we last record an episode together? I think it was probably Liverpool. We've never recorded it in a studio together before, have we? This is novel. Live from a studio in London, although not live because it's a podcast, but you know <laughs> what we mean. Yeah, we're in a studio in London, we're recording in person, we're going out for dinner after this, which will be lovely, but in the meantime, we've got a podcast to bring you. Yeah, I just happened to be in London, obviously you probably know this by now, Rob lives in London, we thought, let's try and do the podcast together when we get a free minute, and we, we found that free minute, and we're going to bring you it today, uh, which is a brand new episode of The Contest and Me. We're up to episode number... Five, I think we're on now. Probably should have checked that beforehand. And we've got a brilliant guest. I said it was brilliant last week because I knew the name but hadn't heard the chat yet. I've now heard the chat with Rob. Anders Retov. That's right. Songwriter and producer of many Eurovision songs down the years. You were getting in touch with us and we were saying, who do you want to hear from? And you were saying, we would love to hear more from the songwriters and from the producers. So that's exactly what we're going to do today. So Anders Retov. If you know his name, can't quite place them with particular songs, he was one of the writers on Azerbaijan's song in 2009 when they came third. Then Fuego, he wrote Fuego, one of the writers on that in 2018, runner-up of course. And then a couple of songs for Sweden, 2019, 2021, and then back again with Azerbaijan in 2022. He talks all about it, and of course, 
a prestigious songwriter in Melfest as well. I was wondering, are we going to mention Melfest in this intro? I think he's written over 30 songs in Melody Festival, and so Rob will chat to him about that, his Eurovision songs, and a whole host more. So yeah, here we are then, in a very air-conditioned studio, James, this week. It's quite chilly, me and you both in t-shirts. It's been quite warm outside today in London, but yeah, the aircon's fairly (laughs) powerful in here, isn't it? Although, I I don't care if if it's too chilly. It's just nice to be in person recording the podcast, because normally we're just looking at each other on a screen. I do have the pleasure at that point to just click on a different tab and not look at you. (laughs) This time I don't really have that luxury. Yeah, we said to each other, didn't we? We were like, oh, this what? We said to each other, didn't we, this is what it must be like when people record actual podcasts, <laughs> like proper podcasts and not whatever we've been uh, cobbling together for the last three years. But yeah, we've just mentioned it. Anders Retov, on the way on today's episode of The Contest and Me, is a brilliant interview, so stay there for that. But sticking with Sweden, James, we've just had some big news earlier this week as to someone not too unfamiliar <laughs> with Eurovision fans who is part of the core team putting on the show in Malmö next year. It's Christy Bjorkman. Of course it is. He's never too far away from the world of Eurovision, is he? And I think, if we're honest with ourselves, James, I think we knew he was going to be involved in some way. We certainly did, didn't we? Earlier on in the summer, we got a press release from SVT. They're going to be the host broadcaster next year. And they announced some of their core teams. They announced four of the main producers. And at the time, I think everyone was looking and thinking, where's Krista's name? There's still probably a potential that he might return. And if we rewind back to the end of March 2022, so about 18 months ago, uh, Krista was on the podcast for, for the second time. This was mid-American song contest, the, the first and today. Oh, remember only. the American song contest? <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the only season we've, we've had of that. So we chatted about the American song contest and I asked him at the time, if there was a Swedish Eurovision victory, mm. at the time we thought there might have been with Cornelia. Imagine. Uh, would you be tempted back? That's the question I asked him. And this is what he said back to me. Would you be tempted to come back in, in an official capacity if it went back to your home of Sweden? Oh, it's, yeah, well, you know what? Uh, it's, this, this shit is a poison. Yes, you, you can never get rid of it. Once, once you have it in your body, it's there to stay. And you always have to fight it. It's like an addiction. Uh, so would I be tempted? Yes, of course I would be tempted. Uh, I love to produce Eurovision. I've uh, produced the contest five times and the full show twice. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, bring it on. It is fascinating, isn't it? Hearing Krista back, like you said then, what, a year and a half ago, hypothetically talking mm. about something that is now literally happening. I think you could tell by the tone of his voice, and I think you just know because it's Krista, you knew he wanted back. He said there he's produced five contests. Uh, he's been one of the lead producers for two of them. He's desperate to come back, and as we know now, yeah, for 2024, he's going to be the contest producer. Mm, which I think isn't entirely different from the role that Lee Smithers had for the BBC in 2023. Slightly different title. Lee, of course, was head of show for the BBC in 2023, but I think it's a similar role. I think a lot of the rules and titles, if you're a producer for Eurovision, are just very interchangeable. You're you're very hands-on and you're very busy for for the next six months or however long it's going to be. But yeah, brilliant to have Krista there. He did 2013, 2016 and 17, 18, 19. He had a hand in as well. 
and they were all tremendous contests. So I think we're going to be we're going to be in for a good one, aren't we? We are going to be in for a good one in Malmo. I'm sure we are. And um, we should say, of course, you've just heard Krista there one of his previous appearances here on the podcast. We've been lucky enough to chat to Krista twice here on the podcast, both times feature-length interviews. The first time I spoke to him a couple of years ago now, this was in the run-up to the 2021 contest when he was hanging his hat up for Melody Festival. And do you remember when mm-hmm. he, he was retiring from, from Melfest to go and work on the American Song Contest? And we kind of look back on his career, as you mentioned, James, there, all of the contests he's worked on, some fascinating stories from all of those editions, especially what he was telling me about Eurovision 2017. So if you haven't heard that interview, definitely go back and have a listen to that. And then James, as you've just said there, you had a chat to him about 18 months ago and also definitely worth listening back. Yes, uh, very quickly, I won't spoil it if you haven't listened to that one that I did back in March or April 22. He was talking about some of the changes he would potentially make if he was in charge of Eurovision. He said this week that there probably aren't big changes to be made apart from shortening the show. Uh, But back in 2022, I think he said that he would like to slim down on how long it takes the voting uh, sequence to to take, as well as potentially wanting to trim that three-minute length uh, for the songs. So, interesting to see if he managed to probably not pull them through this year, but he's he's probably going to get a hand in Eurovision in the future again, isn't he? It's interesting what you said there about what Krista was saying about maybe tightening the length of the show and shortening the songs, because that is something that may come up in a little while Mm. on this episode of The Contest in Me, so stay tuned for that. But if you've got any thoughts on, of course, what you're going to hear on today's episode, but also if you go back, listen to our previous chats with Krista, or want to react to the news that Krista is going to be part of The Contest in 2024, then please do get in touch with us. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, we're still calling it Twitter. We are on Threads as well, and you can send us an email as well if you want. Hello at Eurotrippodcast.com. Like what you're hearing? Make sure to leave us a review and a rating whenever you're listening. So then Anders Retov on the way here on the contest of me. We'll be asking him all the same questions we've asked all of the guests so far uh, in this series. Uh, Rob mentioned just a moment ago about getting in touch. Uh, thanks to everyone who has done over the last week since the last episode. Rob, I know you'll probably get to some actual interaction, but I want to pick up on a, on a tweet uh, from Scotty on Twitter. Now, do you remember I mentioned that I was allergic to cats? We went on a tangent about Montenegro and cats. We did, because <laughs> on last week's episode, if people haven't heard it, you had just returned from holiday. One of the places you went on holiday was Kotor in Montenegro. Kotor in Montenegro is full of cats. Indeed. However, I'm allergic. Thanks to Scotty, who got in touch, though. Uh, said, another stellar episode. Thank you for fulfilling our thirst for content. Did he deliberately write it like that to trip me up? Maybe he did. Uh, James, I share your pain of being a feline fanatic and allergic, but with some assistance with antihistamine, I've been a cat dad for 11 years. Don't give up on the dream. And a lovely picture of uh, Cynthia, his cat, who he says is an avid listener. Well, hello, Cynthia. <laughs> if you're listening, I hope you are. Hello, Scotty, as well, obviously. But yeah, lovely bit of uh, lovely bit of cat chat here on the podcast. Indeed, covering all the big topics. <laughs> Krista, cats. Anything else? Begin with C. We can do this week. <laughs> I'll leave that one with you. But of course, we had um, uh, Samia Hafsawi on last week's episode, and there's been a lot of reaction to to some of the stuff that she was talking about, in particular, some of her ideas uh, that she would pick 
pitch to change about Eurovision if she could. Yeah, you were mentioning, weren't you, uh, just before there on the podcast, some of Krista Bjorkman's potential thoughts on what he'd like to change. Uh, Samia Hafsawi, as you said, James, joined us on the contest with me last week. Broadcaster, has worked for Eurovision, also worked, of course, as a press conference host during the Rotterdam contest in 2021. But yeah, one of the changes that she said she wanted to make to the contest, and as you will know by now, this is one of the questions that we always ask here on the contest in me, was that she would like to see an introduction potentially of a budget cap. So limiting the amount of money that some countries could spend on their performance at the contest to kind of level the playing field a little bit. Because, of course, some delegations probably have a bigger resource pot than others. You know, the BBC and SVT, probably much bigger pot than, say, the Moldovan broadcaster. Yeah, we've seen, you know, budget caps in in other avenues like sport, for example, you know, in football in the Premier League, you know, there's a budget cap there on on players. In Formula One, we're big fans, there's a budget cap there to try and level the playing field. I was hoping you were going to say Formula One because we (laughs) finally get to do the Eurovision F1 crossover that we know is, uh, is, is so big out there. But yeah, loads of you have been getting in touch with us about what Samia had to say. Should say, at the time that we're recording... 80,000 of you have had a look at the clip that we posted of Samia over on our Twitter at Eurotrip Podcast. If you haven't, go and do that. But yeah, some of you getting in touch. Uh, Levi said, personally, I'd like there to be an amount of money over which any spending should be matched and put into a pot for the broadcasters with less resources. Can see issues arising with how that would be organised and distributed, though, as well as an obvious problem of enforcing it. Yeah, we've seen that. We mentioned in sports, enforcing the cap is, is of course, difficult. Uh, Gab got in touch. What should happen is a helping pot. So similar thoughts there. The Big Five already have the final guarantee and tons of money. Let everyone pay a little for smaller countries to have a basic plan. Essential fees are covered by them, so only the extras are financed by the broadcaster. Simple as that. And then finally from ESC Hayden, who I know is a very avid listener of the Eurotrip podcast. Uh, Hayden says, I'm not in favour of a budget cap because it essentially limits ambition. If a delegation wants to put on one hell of a show, then jolly well let them. You see, you're always going to get split differences. When we ask this question about what you would change, there's always people who agree and think, never heard this idea before, and I love it. And there's always going to be people who think that is a terrible idea. But we've seen with Eurovision almost every year, there is a small change or there's a big change. Sometimes it sticks, like in 2016, when the voting sequence was changed by Krista Bjorkman, who we've mentioned already. Sometimes they try them out and it doesn't work and they get rid of it, like they did with the semi-final announcements this year. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it needs people with ideas, to try and keep it fresh. We mentioned me and you going out for dinner after this. If we had a pint for every time we'd mentioned the name Krista Bjorkman on today's episode, (laughs) I think we would be feeling fairly ropey tomorrow. (laughs) Right then, it is time for today's interview on The Contest and Me. We've been lucky enough to be joined by some brilliant guests over the course of this series so far, and me and James. (laughs) That was still fun. It was still good. It was really fun. People still listened. We got some great listener numbers. I can promise you. I looked the other day. (laughs) It was really, really fun. So yeah, the very start of the series, me and James interviewed each other. Then we've also heard from Daniel Rosny, who was, of course, the BBC's Eurovision reporter in 2023. And we've already mentioned Samia Hafsawi, their broadcaster and, of course, press conference host for the contest in Rotterdam in 2021. But today we are heading to Sweden, the host country of this year's Eurovision Song Contest. 
and we are going to be hearing for the first time i think on the contest and me across all the series i don't think we've heard from a songwriter or a producer so far no i don't think we have and i think you mentioned this earlier didn't you a lot of people have always reached out to us and said we'd love to hear from songwriters and producers i think we've we've had a couple on before uh, and as a couple of years ago actually on melfest monday but we've never really sat down and had an in-depth chat so for all you asking and knocking on our door and saying we want one here you go James mentioned Melfest Monday. If you're a new listener, yeah, we do a special podcast just dedicated to Melody Festival and Sweden <laughs> Selection. So look out for that in uh, February next year. Something like that. That'll be, that'll be here before we know it, I'm sure. Anyway, it is Anders Retoff who is joining us on the contest in me this week. He is an illustrious and prestigious Melody Festival and songwriter. James already said he has written over 30 songs in Melfest down the years, but he's also been lucky enough to have his songs at the Eurovision Song Contest as well. His first one was writing for Azerbaijan in 2009. They came third that year. Then he was a member of the Swedish jury when they hosted the contest in 2016, when it was in Stockholm. Then he came back as a songwriter two years later in 2018 and almost won the contest. He was one of the songwriters behind Fuego. He then, of course, returned in 2019 with Too Late for Love. And again, James found himself in the split screen. (laughs) There can't be many people who have appeared in the split screen at the end more than once. If you've got an idea, let us know, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. Yeah, so John Lumvik that year, of course, eventually finishing in fifth, and then he came back a couple of years later, did Anders, writing for Tusa and Sweden again, of course, with Voices, and then he returned in 2022, writing once again for Azerbaijan, uh, writing for uh, Nadir Rostamli, and uh, they came 16th, didn't they, that year, with Fate of Black. Yes, indeed. So, by the sounds of that, and but the fact that we mentioned he's had over 30 songs in Melody Festival, and uh, this guy knows how to write and produce a song, doesn't he? He certainly does, yeah. So we're going to hear all about the songs that I've just mentioned there, especially what it's like to be in that split screen, that split screen moment in the green room. What are those emotions like when you're actually there? We'll also, of course, ask for Anders' favourite Eurovision song, which is not one that I would have expected him to say, his first Eurovision memory. Again, not what I would have expected from him. And Anders is fascinating, talking about what the United Kingdom could do to improve their fortunes at the continent. As a producer and a songwriter, of course, he has a slightly different perspective and a very interesting one. So, uh, so yeah, stay tuned for that. Let's get to it then, shall we? This is Anders Retov on The Contest and Me. So, Anders Retov, welcome to The Contest and Me. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Anders, it's brilliant to have you on the podcast because... We've just been talking before pressing record on this interview. You are currently a very, very busy man because the Melody Festival and deadline is uh, getting ever closer at the time we're talking. So uh, you're working on on plenty of songs, safe to say, at the moment. Yeah, it's an intense time. Uh, very fun, though. And uh, yeah, it, it's like 24 hours in the studio to make the songs ready and uh, rewrite some stuff and, uh, you know, Try to make the best songs ever, of course. So, uh, but it's, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a blast. And just remind the listeners how many years now you've been kind of writing stuff and producing stuff for Melody Festival. And... Uh, yeah, the last ten years I had, uh, yeah, thirty songs, thirty-two songs. Yeah, uh, so it's been uh, every year the last ten years. <laughs> but you love it, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. Exactly. Yeah, it's so much fun, and uh, it's a lot of teamwork as well, too. I mean. There's a small amount of people that I work with here in Sweden, produce and write with, and uh, uh, it's so much fun to to work together and bring out the best idea of each other. And uh, 
Um, and in Melody Festival, it's so, it's so big in Sweden. Like, you know, there's many ways, not the only way like to win. Of course, that's the, the biggest goal. But there's also many other ways to, to get a new song uh, played and maybe even a new artist that can do a comeback. And so, so it's a, it's very kind of a big palette to, to do, to do stuff in Melody Festival, which I think is a lot of fun. And the great thing about Melody Festival and its popularity in Sweden, of course, as well, for someone like you, a producer and a writer, is you can work on a song that doesn't necessarily win Melody Festival, and but then becomes a huge hit in Sweden and further afield. You know, we saw that. I know you were uh, one of the writers, producers on Run to the Hills with Clara Hammerstrom last year, and, and that became a huge song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was so much fun because that song maybe wasn't the typical kind of Melody Festival song and I, I remember because Clara had a lot of other songs that uh, maybe was more so to speak in, in the Melody Festival type of style but then we all felt that hey this song it's it's cool song it's, it's different from all the others and uh, and then the judges picked that song and uh, we were really happy and of course even if it didn't win it was a extreme success for Clara and, and for the Run to the Hills the song of course so yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. There's many, many ways to, uh, you know, to have a good time in, in the Melody Festival as a producer and songwriter and an artist as well too. So, which I think is an uh, uh, amazing thing about the Melody Festival in, uh, in Sweden. And as I'm sure Melody Festival and it will come up plenty more during our conversation over the next little while. So uh, plenty to, to chat about. Of course, we've got the questions. You've got the questions. We know what we're going to be going through during today's conversation. But we have to start by looking back at Eurovision 2023. I know you didn't have any songs in the Eurovision semifinals or grand final this year, as you have done previously. So what was it like for you as a viewer this year? Um, that, that was fun too. Uh, I mean, I love to to watch the Eurovision and uh, has always Loved it since I was uh, since I was a kid. So, uh, but this year was fun, and of course, I was extremely happy for Lorraine and 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 Tattoo and the the whole Swedish team that I know, and it's a friend of mine, of course, that wrote a song. So, it was uh, it was actually quite fun to sit home here in in Bellinge in in Sweden and and watch the show. And uh, wow, it was so intense there with Finland, and it was it was a lot of fun. I think it was a great great Eurovision. It's interesting having the chance to talk to you as someone, as you said, who you know knows so many people in that team, in the Swedish team that won uh, that won the contest in 2023. Did you kind of know when you heard whispers, presumably from your friends, that you know Lorene's coming back? We've done this song, we've written tattoo. Did you know there was a chance that Sweden, you know, had a pretty good shot at winning Eurovision in 2023? Yeah, yeah, of course. Even in the Melody Festival the final, you know, the grand final in Sweden. Uh, I felt that game over, you know, <laughs> you, you, you already knew uh, which artist and, and songs going to win. Uh, I had five songs this year in, in the, in the Belize Solen. And of course you're proud and happy to be part of that. And, and a couple of songs were in the final and, and uh, you know, being successful in radio here. So, but as, uh, in, as we talk about a competition, it felt like, oh, it's already, you know, the game over, <laughs> kind of speak. Yeah, it was untouchable, you know, when, when she hit the stage in our final here in Sweden. You, I think I can talk for everybody that, wow, this was this was it, you know. And of course, that's that's amazing when, when, when that happened. Because some years it could be like, oh, which I'm going to win this year, you know. And, and uh, the Swedish uh, audience maybe not have the same 
feeling as the international judges. Uh, but this year it felt like it was so clear and uh, and uh, and it was the perfect choice, of course. I mean, Sweden won, and uh, it's so cool that Lorraine coming back and win the whole thing again. Yeah. Were there ever any points during maybe the grand final that you were sat, as you said, sat at home watching it where you thought, maybe, maybe it's not our time? You know, you mentioned Finland as well, and you were saying that obviously there was the hype around Finland, Finland winning the telly vote. You know, was there a chance when you thought, actually, maybe, lorraine has gone to Eurovision, but she's not going to win. It's not going to be in Sweden this year. To be totally honest with you, uh, I I felt the day before the final, I honestly felt that whole Finland's going to have the, the, the most votes from the audience. Um, I was really sure about that. And it, that also happened. It, it was close, of course, and uh, but I think it was honest because Sweden last year in the final, uh, actually another song uh, with Anders Bange, who is a very famous, uh, what do you say, like artist, and he's also the host of the Idol Sweden. He's got the most points from Sweden. I mean, like 500,000 votes more than Cornelia's song. But then the international judges, they vote for Cornelia. So, and I think that was, that was a good call. And the same this year, of course, with Sweden, if I, I mean, look at it and in a more objective uh, view. And the results speak for itself. I mean, uh, even if Cha 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 is going really well, of course, Lorraine is so much bigger when it comes to the, the full pattern, so to speak, with radio and, you know, everything. So uh, I think it's good, both for us in Sweden to have this system and both in Eurovision. Uh, I think, but yeah, it's always hard. I mean, <laughs> if, if you have your own song and it doesn't win uh, because of the judges, then maybe you're like, you know. And and is talking about 2024 then, looking ahead, now that we know the contest is, is going to be in Malmö in Sweden, does that change things for you? We've already talked about what you're doing at the moment, the work you're doing for, for Mellow 2024. Does it change things when you know that you're potentially writing the host entry for, for Eurovision? Yeah, of course, it's a blast to have it here. And I live so close to Malmö as well. I mean, it's only 10 minutes from my place here uh, in Vellinge to the arena. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, of course, it's uh, it's a dream come true to have Eurovision that close again. Um, I mean, normally I uh, I do more, so to speak, to Malifisvalen because that's this is where here I live and I really love Malifisvalen. So when it comes to Eurovision, it's more like if, like a head of delegation or someone call me and ask for a song it's not that I'm working all the time to submit songs to different countries uh, like that so it, so it depends on uh, I mean um, next year if if uh, you know there's a chance for me to make something good for for uh, for a country and um, I have I mean I'm, uh, I'm talking to uh, some countries head of delegations right now so uh yeah, so so maybe maybe, and of course I want to have a song in in the Eurovision, and uh, and uh, <laughs> that will be of course a lot of fun to present. Maybe Sweden again, or maybe another country. I mean, it's uh, it's all about uh, finding the right artist, and and that's so fun about Eurovision when you write to someone like when I did Fuego with Elena Ferreira. It's really it's really hard to find an artist here in Sweden like that. It's um it's not so easy, you know. But I really love to make that kind of music. And so that was a perfect match to find artists like that that it's hard to find here. And with, you know, with our team here, we can write a song. So, so yeah. So, so if, uh, if I had a chance to find that artist that I think I can 
make a great song for and uh, and so on. So yeah, let, let's find out. Well, if you're a head of delegation listening to this from whatever country, there you heard it here first. Anders is uh, is up for a conversation anyway to uh, to potentially uh, work with you for for 2024. And we will talk about, of course, the other Eurovision entries you've been involved with in the past. And you mentioned Fuego, and it wouldn't be long until Fuego came up. So I'm sure we'll talk about that more. But Anders, the first question we have to ask, the first proper question we have to ask here on the contest of me is uh, your very first Eurovision memory. So what do you remember of, of Eurovision, or at least the first memory you have of the contest? I think my first really kind of Eurovision moment was in 87, I think. And I was eight years old then. And uh, because there was a song there from Italy, which I really, really love. Gente di mare. I really love that song and I remember that so clear, you know, when I was a kid and watching the show and wow, that song is something special about that. And uh, it's still one of my favorite Eurovision songs. Uh, really, really good. Uh, and I remember I recorded it on uh, VHS, you know, the old, yeah. <laughs> uh, and watched that Eurovision over and over again. And uh, so that was. I think that was the first time I fell in love with the, with the Eurovision and, and the whole thing. And, and uh, you know, it's funny to dream about writing songs and, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a big moment, yeah. Even at eight years old, I love that you were thinking like, oh, maybe I could, I could write a song for this one day. Yeah, but actually it started off like that because you saw the writers there. And, I, and that time, of course, I didn't know what, as a writer, what I always saw the names there, and even in Sweden, I watched okay, the, the Bobby Jungren, and you know, okay, who's that? And starting to get interesting of the whole the whole thing, so to speak. So, yeah, and then of course, Eurovision '87 that's in, in Brussels after Sandra Kim's win, as well, of course. And you know, looking at, at the winner of Eurovision '87, an iconic Eurovision winner, is I mean, it's Johnny Logan with Hold Me Now. Obviously, yeah, obviously, yeah. obviously, you don't know at the time as an eight-year-old. Oh, this is a pretty cool thing. He's winning for the second time, but you know, it's it's a cool Eurovision to have, have been your first Eurovision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, it was a, it was a great year with uh, I mean, Hold Me Now. I I love that song too, and and uh, yeah, it was it was also a fun song. I was also in '87, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you see, I still remember those. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's all, yeah. it's all on the VHS tape. I'd love to ask yeah, if you. Exactly. I'd love to ask if you've still got it, but I don't think you have. <laughs> I, I I honestly have. Is it in my garage somewhere? So maybe I have to uh, like tra- transform it to. Uh, <laughs> uh, everything is on YouTube these days. So I mean, but it's it's fun to have still. Yeah. And as you you may have have, have jumped ahead because you actually did say during that uh, during that answer that that was the moment at which you fell in love with the Eurovision Song Contest. That was going to be my very next question. What was the moment you fell in love with the Eurovision Song Contest? Are you telling me it was it was love at first sight for you? It was eighty seven. Yeah, yeah, it was. Honestly, it was that year. Um, yeah, I really felt that. Wow, this was so cool, and uh, that was the moment when you. Re- I, I don't, and I don't even. Just, I mean, it's a combination of things, I think, with the music, the competition, the different countries. I started to like music 
different kinds of music because some songs, you know, of Spain and so you had, and I, I really enjoy that. And it's been through me since then, you know, because right now as a producer and songwriter, I really love to, I mean, make songs to, you know, Latin pop artists or like urban kind of stuff, which you combine with commercial pop things. So it's been really, and that's also a thing from your vision. You, you have that fusion of, of music. And I also remember one song, it was a couple of years later, it was a black and, uh, black and blue blues, I think, from uh, the um, French entry, the same year as a Carola. And I really loved that song. It was kind of this kind of, I don't know the, exactly the name of the beat, but it was kind of, kind of Afro, kind of, it was a very cool song. I, I still love it today. Black, uh, white and black, white and black. Da, 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 da. It was so cool. So, uh, so a lot of these kind of different kind of styles and musics uh, has been really attached to me. And, and uh, so, yeah, it's, um, yeah, your vision is <laughs> So, Anders, from 1987, and you mentioned, of course, the contest there, when France and Sweden were so, were so close together in the scoreboard. Are you watching Eurovision every year since 87? You know, are you kind of in it from then on, or are you dipping in and out? No, honestly, I've, I've, been, I've been watching it every year. I mean, it's a long time now. I haven't think about that it's, it's it's for a long time it's been always i mean connected to me and uh of course there've been years that i wasn't so impressed of the competition of course but uh uh but i've, I've been watching it every year yeah well this this bodes well because uh there's plenty more questions to ask about your you know we've got favorite memory to come favorite song on the way but and as the next question then is is your favorite eurovision year i imagine there are some some candidates for this, uh, maybe some personal reasons behind uh, why, or, or or maybe not. Maybe it's just a, a year that you love and you you were a viewer and you loved the songs that year. Oh, yeah, that, that's a hard question. It's a really hard question. Uh... Can, can I put one forward for you that I thought maybe it might be? Uh, 2009? Yeah. Because that was the first Eurovision I know that you were involved in as a, were you writer and producer for Azerbaijan in 2009? Yeah, exactly. When with Arash, uh, always, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. That's that's not, uh, actually a good one. Yeah, um, I go with that. <laughs> <That's>... Did, did you get to go? Were you were you in Moscow for the contest in 2000? No, unfortunately, I, I wasn't there. Um, uh, so I, I watched it at, at home, I remember. Uh, it was hard that year to get... It was in Russia and it was really hard to... Yeah, I don't know exactly why it was, I wasn't there, but uh, I think it was hard to just go there. But uh, yeah, that that was a good one because that was exactly my first kind of Eurovision entry as a, as a songwriter. So, so uh, that's a good memory. What what is that moment like then? You know, you're presumably back in Sweden watching the contest, and you know that a song that you worked on, that you wrote, that you produced, is is in the Eurovision Song Contest. As someone, as you said, as an eight year old boy who watched the contest for the first time in 1987, you know what is that? Twenty no, yeah, twenty two years later. 
<laughs> you've, uh, you've, you've, you've got a song in the Eurovision Grand Final. Yeah. And yeah, I can, yeah. when you say it like that, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's really cool. It is. And the funny thing was that it, this year it was with Arash and the um, Azerbaijan singer uh, Icel. But Arash is a really good friend of mine and I've been knowing him for such a long time. And I've been producing and writing a lot of his songs and he's super big in, in, in many countries uh, in the world and, and touring. And, uh, and he also is uh, the godfather of my daughter, Leona. So yeah, so we're really close and uh, I love him so much. So it was a, it was a perfect start to Eurovision. I remember it was like, yeah, they, they, they ask, um, the delegation, they ask because they really love Arash and, and they have this girl, I sell and, you know, so. It was a fun ride, and and the song ended up at the third third place, right? Or, yeah. So uh, it was a good, good Eurovision start, so to speak. A lot of fun. And and from that point, do the other doors start opening for Eurovision? At that point, when people know you as you know you you've got a, a track record, as you said, Azerbaijan did so well in two thousand and nine, and you worked on the entry. So do people then put your name forward to? you know, do stuff for, for other countries. You know, you've already met, you've already mentioned later on, you, you know, you work with Cyprus uh, in, in 2018 on Fuego. And of course, you've done so for Sweden at, at the contest uh, previously again as well. Yeah, honestly, that time I wasn't so, I haven't started my kind of Melody Festival in Eurovision journey. It was totally new. And uh, so, of course, there was some interest from some countries, you know, and it, because there always was quite successful song. But, at that time, I was working a lot with the Asian market, you know, with the K-pop, J-pop. And I was not in the, what do you say, Eurovision bus, so to speak. So, I, and, and I was so busy with that, those years there. So, uh, so it was it was actually one-off, so to speak. Uh, uh, so, it, it all happened later, actually, when I was, you know, into the Malifas Volume again. Because I, I was... Um, uh, yeah, it was super intense with the Asian market, and I loved that. But then I was like... Exhausted because I've been working with that for many years with all those big Japanese stars and Asian stars, and it was fun. But then I missed—I really missed uh, Melody Festival. I missed that music. So, so that's how I started to, you know, go back in 2012 and submit songs again and, and have meetings with the Swedish labels, you know. And uh, since then, it's been every year. <laughs> so, and and with and also with the Eurovision, so to speak, it was more like okay. We're back again, and and uh, and uh, then it's starting to, yeah, happen more stuff for the Eurovision as well. Uh, and as and as the next question, then your most memorable Eurovision moment, what would that be? Oof, I I had a few. I but I mean, if, if I'd be more like personal, I think of course the year when we had a song "Too Late for Love" with John Ludwig, and we. <laughs> And we're sitting there, and and uh, it's that split screen. It's the split screen moment, isn't it? That moment, because uh, we were in the lead of the judges. Too late for love was like, hey, and then <laughs> it was in the end of the last points from the TV votes, and uh, so it was like, okay, oof. There was Duncan Lores with Arcade and John Lundvik. So it was very like, and then it was like, oh, we ended up at fifth place. So it was like. You know that moment. So of course that was a like, but it was so much fun too. I mean, maybe not that exactly the exact moment, but 
and when you zoom out a bit, it was kind of wow. It was so like that. That's one of them. And of course, the same thing happened to me in the two thousand. Was it eighteen? Right, twenty eighteen. Of course. Yeah, because then it was like uh, Israel with the the toy song and Eleni Foyer with Fuego. It was also like who's going to win, and you know. So uh, th those two moments it's been really intense and really memorable, and uh, and. Uh, fun. I mean, that's the, that's the heat of the competition. You feel right there. Okay. The country that got the second highest vote is with 253 points is Cyprus! Um, you mentioned that you weren't able to be in, in Moscow in 2009 for, for you know, your first kind of uh, entry into the world of, of Eurovision and Eurovision songwriting and, and production. Were you there in 2018 and 2019? Yeah, I was. Yeah. So uh, that was a lot of, lot of fun, of course, both in Lisbon and Israel and and the year after that too. Yeah, exactly. With uh, two set, two late um, voices in it. In, uh, in in Rotterdam in 2021, yeah, yeah, so it's been yeah, yeah, and all those years been a lot of fun. I mean, Rotterdam was very special because it was during the COVID restrictions, so that that was also, of course, memorable, very different, and I think they really worked worked so well. I mean, to to even handle that situation and, and to have this big show, uh, so yeah, it was great too. If I take you back to to 2018 and 2019. What's it like being there when you know that your song is being talked about as a, a potential Eurovision winner or, a, you know, a song that's going to do really well? What's that like? Are people coming up to you and having those conversations? Yeah, of course. And I mean, especially in the, with, with the Fuego song, because it was when we when we submitted a song and, and people heard it, it was like, well, it, it was no maybe super excitement about it. But then when, as soon as uh, Eleni hit the stage, the first rehearsal, then it was like, you know. Um, uh, so I remember that moment when, you know, from being like, okay, we're happy to be here. We have to, to have this song and Eleni is great. Maybe we will, I mean, we hope for honestly top 10. But from that to like, hey, we're in the, just like, we can win this. So of course that, that uh, those days were a lot of fun. But at the same time, you know, we have to, be Swedish, stay calm. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, but, but uh, and, yeah, and and of course with with uh, Jon Lundvik too. Uh, it was of course a lot of fun when so many people, I mean, artists, and you just felt the energy that he's in the he could win this uh, with Too Late for Love. So of course it was fun. Of course you're happy when 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 yeah that happened. So uh, yeah, that that was. Super fun, and, and uh, because some some years, like I mean, honestly, when when Tusse was on the show, represent Sweden, you felt that he's not going to be in the top ten. You know, he felt, so I was really happy that he was there because 
you know, I, I think I'm quite good in like being, what do you say? Of course, positive and optimistic, but but, still, but realistic. Quite realistic, exactly. I mean, that, that's so. Um, so so yeah. So especially those two years with with uh, Cyprus and Sweden was, of course, super fun. It was so intense and and uh, and uh, good energy. Uh, very, very, very quick mention for another year as well. 2016. I think you're on the Swedish jury for 2016, when of course the contest again was was in Sweden. So that must have been a, another different experience for you. Yeah, it was. I was really happy to to be involved in that, and uh, uh, it, it was a lot of fun to sit there, you know, and and listen to the songs and as a represent Sweden, you know. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, and it's, it was also interesting how, you know, how we see. Some songs I remember were really different, you know, I mean, judges and, and some songs were so clear, you know, that we all felt the same. Uh, I remember, uh, what's it called? Um, the Calm Before the Storm or something. The Netherlands, yeah. We all felt, yeah, the Netherlands, I remember, I, I remember the moment because afterwards when we had submit our points, we were like, okay, it's interesting. What, what was your favorite? And I remember that song was, we all felt that. Well, this is is perfect then because we're moving on to to the next question, which is uh, your favorite Eurovision song, Anders. I mean, Instagram is still one of my favorite songs. It is because it has this kind of rock in it, and I I'm, I really love rock music as well. <laughs> so I, I and I think that and it's like this um, uh, anthem, which I also love. I love big songs, anthem like that. So it has both the and the 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 rock thing, the the anthem and also the lyrics of course i mean that time was really turbulent in, in the world and yep the same same right now so we need another in cm actually but um so with so many stuff about that song and uh, his vocal as well i mean i love how he sang that and and uh it was so much fun because i read in newspaper he was the oldest guy who, who, who won the competition 46 years old i think and uh i when I watched it, I, I didn't feel that he was old, you know, <laughs> but, but uh, it was fun when I re- read it now, you know, so, yeah, so that, of course, that song and, and the uh, performance was such a, such a great one, I, I really love it, but, I mean, there's many, of course, I think Euphoria with Sweden is, I mean, that's, that's, un, uh, what do you say, unbeatable Eurovision banger, so to speak, it's really hard to, like, I think, uh, yeah, and of course, Tattoo is, is, is a great one, too, but, but, uh, Euphoria is, is one of those, you know, if you have to, if you have to mention like five songs, Eurovision, uh, it has to be that one. And, uh, and Abba, of course, I mean, so cool when you think that Abba has been on in this, in this competition. Wow. Incredible. Yeah, we've, uh, we've got a lot of, a lot of uh, stuff to thank you Swedes for when it comes to songs at Eurovision. You've got a lot to thank you for the songs <laughs> that you've, uh, you've sent down the years. Thank you. It's cool that we were like... Uh, in the start of, so to speak, with Abba, that they were like, and I think that's also gave us kind of a hope, you know, because back then in the seventies, it was not that cool thing maybe, and Abba was on board and they won the whole thing and they become the world's biggest bands. Of course, that that maybe gave us a little bit, what do you say, in the head of the thing to trust the competition and see that wow, this this is a good thing to be a part of, and uh, yeah. And as we we move on to the last two questions and uh, the penultimate question, this is the one that I was most interested to hear what you were going to say. Because over the years, we have asked guests on the contest and me, what can the United Kingdom do to do well at Eurovision, to get on the left-hand side of the scoreboard? And of course, in 2022, we saw that happen. We saw the UK come so close to winning the contest. 
And then this year, we were back towards the bottom of the leaderboard. As somebody who you know has written some brilliant Melody Festival entries, some brilliant songs outside the contest, some brilliant Eurovision entries down the years, you know, from your perspective, what do the UK need to do to improve? Um, I mean, you you were so on it with some writer. It was like, okay, we all felt like, hey, UK's back. It's like this best singer of the world and this great song and staging. Well, oh my god! And then the, the the year after, like you said, and I remember I heard that song uh, because it was quite big in UK, right? Too on the radio. But I remember when I heard it, say, like, oh, it's a great song. This will never go good in in Eurovision because we have we have learned that in Sweden I have made songs like that in Sweden many years ago if oh no it doesn't work you know because and what what it what is it go on what is it like, about it's the like song? if you go a song like that that is mainstream is really good I mean it's great pop song but it's really hard to take that to work in on stage for Eurovision it will be kind of it's too too generic you know even if the singer is great, I mean, it's really hard with those songs. So I think that kind of middle road kind of song, if you know what I mean, it's really hard. You see, and you see that on the result as well every year of the winning song. I mean, some writer song is a big song. It's full on. It's so uh, tattoo and euphoria in CMA. You can have all the, even, but even Portugal, like like I said before, that song is it's not big, but that has another very, very specific feeling. You know, so, and Mona Skin with the rock, it's like, so I think if if you're in the in the middle of the road, so to speak, mainstream, and those songs are really really hard to connect for the audience. They will even if they're really good, like I really think that this song was, it will be just you know it just disappear when you when you watch it. So um, yeah, so maybe that's a <laughs> you have to go like really if you're going to make a ballad, have to make it really like arcade and like really big or like opposite way uh, because. Just a just a good pop song on radio. It's it's really hard. Uh, it, it can go it can go well, like in a, in the in the in the final in the Melif song. I mean, I had a song like with Margaret a couple of years ago in my cabana, and it was a it maybe not similar to to your song last year, but it was like a pop song for radio, and it, it worked really well on the radio. But it wasn't that kind of big song to win the, the show, you know. So that's. Uh, yeah, so so maybe that's a that's something to um, think about. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's good advice, Anders. We'll have to get you over here. Honestly, we'll take you to the BBC. You can uh, you can do a full presentation on that from what you've learned down <laughs> the years. And as the uh, the last question then is uh, is an interesting one, and it's if you were in charge of the Eurovision Song Contest, if you were Martin Ostadal, uh I don't know, he's Swedish. Maybe you know him, uh, but yeah. uh, if 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 uh, if you were in charge, what would you change? What would you do? Is there you know are there any changes you'd like to make that Eurovision doesn't do now, or you think could do better? Oh, this is uh, hard for me to say, but uh, I think it's too many songs. Uh, but it, it's hard. I uh, it's it, I don't want to say it, but I think uh, it's it's a little tricky to have that amount of songs. I mean, if you compare it to like big championship in sports it works because it's another maybe but this is the same i don't know it's i think that's that's one way i don't i don't have the answer of how how you should solve that but i think it's if it's too many songs like those two nights and even the final is maybe to some in some way maybe to find a way to i don't know maybe shorter songs or i don't know 
the TikTok generation right now, it feels like, uh, because I think that's hard for the, for the young audience, you know, out there, the kids, you know, I think there's like, I, and we have to think of that. We have to like, how to make those, the next generation, you know, interesting because they discover the song afterwards. I mean, my daughter is 17. She don't want, watch your vision and she, she was home one day and she listened to Arcade, you know, a year after. And I said, wow, it's a Eurovision song. And she was like, no. <laughs> yes, it is. I, said, I, show, I have to show her, the, you know, it was the same year as I had a song to late for love. I said, like, ah, was it? Yeah, yeah, it's that song. You know, she was like, wow, yeah, this song's amazing. Yeah, you see, you know, it's a great song. So, so, um, so yet it was a little, what do you say, not unclear answer, but, but it, something to make it a little more, um, you know, Compact. Yeah, yeah, in some way um, to make it more like current in, in one way because I still feel that it, um, the show now is for an audience who is 30 and up, you know. Okay, okay. Well, I'll put I'll put you down for shorter songs and less songs in the final. That's what I'll put you down exactly. for. Exactly. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was, that was a better answer than, than my long... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, it it it's it was fascinating, Anders, and it was fascinating to go through all of that with you and and hear some of your Eurovision memories and and all the ways that you've been involved down the years. It was brilliant. So so thank you for for doing that for us. And I can't let you leave without one more question about uh, Melody Festival in 2024, uh, which I'm sure people want to know about. You must be excited about some of the potential uh, potential entries you might have this year. Are there, are there any that you think you know what that could be the one? Oh, it's hard to say. Uh, right now, uh, you you work on the songs and you, you know try to make them better. And um, I, I can't give you any specific, <laughs> but um, I I can say that uh, I'm happy because I I submit very different kinds of songs, much more different than I did the year before. When I talk about artists and genres, so and for me. Personally, that's fun. Yeah. Cool. So we can expect something different from uh, Ananda's Retoff uh, entries in, in 2024. Anders, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a, a pleasure. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, it's been brilliant to hear your perspective because as a writer and a producer, you know, we haven't had many writers and producers here on the contest in me. So it's brilliant to get that perspective on, thing, on things. So I really appreciate you joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it too. Thanks. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. A brand new podcast featuring rarely heard voices from across the UK and around the world. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Contemporary conversations around bisexuality. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. We are questioned so much more than people when they come out as straight or gay. It's intense pressure of like, am I sure? You're literally like monitoring yourself. Every episode will include a very personal story as we try to paint a real picture of bisexual Britain. This is Bisexual Brunch. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Eurotrip, your favorite Eurovision podcast. When you aren't listening, find us on social media at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. A huge thanks then to Anders Retdorf for joining us here on the contest with me, from us here at The Eurotrip. Uh, Rob, that was a great chat. Last week on the, uh, on the podcast, I said I knew who you were going to speak to but I hadn't heard it yet. So I kind of had ambitions that it was going to be a really good chat. And it really, really was. Yeah, really fun chat to Anders. Lovely guy. He was sat in front of a wall that is just all of the records that he has been a part of. For example, there was the platinum disc behind him, which was uh, Clara Hammerstrom's song, Run to the Hills, which we mentioned mm-hmm. during that chat. Of course, uh, a Melfest song from a couple of years ago. But went on to do huge numbers in Sweden. So that was on there. Many of his other songs as well, Too Late for Love that he mentioned, that was on the wall. So yeah, he was in his studio. He was busy working away, writing those entries for this year's Melody Festival. And, but he found time to chat to me and I'm so pleased he did because some brilliant stories out of that. Yeah, so much in there. You know, you said just before we heard the chat that there was some surprising things in there, like his, his first memory. and You know, some of the stuff from the, the 1980s, it was... Italy 1987 was the first or one of the big memories he has from from first watching it. A song I've never heard before, actually. Song I've never heard before, but loved it. It's mm. a really, really good song. We we played a little bit in the in the interview there. It's quite fun. And turns out that Anders quite enjoys an Italian Eurovision entry. His favourite Eurovision song, Insieme, of course, uh, Tutto Cotugno's song. Exactly. Uh, you know, this is the one of the joyous things about the contest for me, isn't it? Because, you know, you've probably got a favourite Eurovision song, you've probably got a favourite Eurovision memory, and maybe for a lot of us, some of the memories are the same, some of our favourite songs are the same. But when you get a little gem like that, where you've not never heard the song before, it just unlocks something new for you, because there's always something new to Eurovision that you've never heard or seen before. But as a Swede, of course, he did have to mention ABBA and Euphoria. <laughs> so he did manage to sneak that in, didn't he, as well? But really interesting as well that Anders said that he's currently talking to various heads of delegations about potentially writing Eurovision entries for, for 2024. He mentioned, didn't he? He's only 10 minutes down the road, so if that does happen, he's not 
not got a long commute in May next year. He, he hasn't. And it's pro- it probably shouldn't be too much of a surprise that he's chatting to other heads of delegations. You know, he's written for Cyprus before. Uh, he's written for Azerbaijan as well. We often get Swedish songwriters. You were talking about the calibre of them who often go out and end up writing songs for the country. So it shouldn't be a surprise. Just be interesting to keep an eye on that and seeing if any of them come through. Yeah, see where he pops up. And also fascinating to, to eventually hear what he's been working on for Melfest this year because he said he's been writing a lot of different styles and different genres than uh, we know him for. So, yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Very interesting. If you did think it was interesting too, we'd love to hear from you, of course. Uh, at Euto Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, you can see some of the behind-the-scenes videos as well on uh, TikTok too. You can email us as well, hello at eurotrippodcast.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And what is very exciting, James, is that we don't know who's on the podcast next week yet, do we? We've, we've got a couple of irons on the fire, but we don't know who we're going to bring you next week. So, right now, for us it's a surprise, for you it's a surprise, but I can promise you, uh, from, from the names that we've got floating around, I can promise you it's going to be a good one. It'll be a good one. And if it's not a good one, who's it going to be? <laughs> Uh, should we get Bella back on again? <laughs> I don't know. That sounds harsh. Bella, if you're listening, we don't mean it. We'll be getting you back on very soon. Don't worry about that. Uh, Bella Kvist, our friend over in Sweden. It's the, uh, the English language Melfest commentator. If, if you don't know who we're talking about. But yeah, no, it's a good guest, whoever it is. The irons we have in that fire are all big. Flaming hot. Flaming hot irons. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, make sure you come back and and stick around and uh, join us again next week. Indeed, yeah. We'll be back with you in seven days' time for a brand new episode of The Contest and Me from us here at the Eurotrip. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.